0: I was sitting at lunch one day, or maybe it was dinner last week, and I was talking with a friend, and I looked around after talking with the, while talking with the friend, just looked around and had the thought, man, it is so many beautiful people in this restaurant. Everybody, everybody's just smiling and laughing and having a wonderful time, they're just, it's beautiful. And after the person finished whatever they were saying, because I was obviously not paying that great of attention, they looked at me and they said, what are you looking at? Because I was literally looking around the restaurant, like smiling with a huge smile on my face. And and then I told them, I, I said what I was looking at and what I thought, and they said, what? What are you talking about? And I went further, right? I said, like, you think about what's going on in the world and the prices of things and how much everything costs. And, you know, there's all this drama and turmoil and politics have been a little um, concerning for people. And there's just so much going on. Yet if you look around this restaurant, you don't know any of that. And just from looking at these people, I can't tell whether they rode the bus here or walked here or drove in the nicest car available to man. I don't know if they're on vacation and they're tourists or if they live here and this is an escape for life or if this is just a regular brunch or a regular lunch that they have or regular dinner that they have every day. You can't tell. What you can tell is that the people here in this moment are enjoying themselves. I don't know if they'll enjoy themselves 30 minutes from now. I don't know if when they go home, everything will be great and life will be wonderful. But I know right now, in the moment, those smiles are genuine. The laughter we hear is genuine. The, just, the way that people have dressed up to come out today... And spend time with people they like at the very least. But in most of these cases, look at them. They love each other. That's genuine. So why isn't this normal? And my friend looked at me and said, so you must not see that group of people over there. They don't, they're not, they're literally all just looking at their phone texting. And you don't see the group that just walked in that are arguing about something. And I was like, actually, no, I didn't see them. But even looking at that group, look at them. They are arguing, but it's a spirited argument about something that they all agree on and are passionate about. It's not life and death. They're not on opposite sides of some major life-altering argument. They're on opposite sides of a friendly argument. And those people that are texting, yeah, they look concerned, but now look, they're sharing what they're texting they're they're showing their phones to each other, and he looked at me and said, "You have a really positive outlook on life." and I said, "You know what? that's new." And he said, "Really?" I said, "I mean, two or three years I've been working to be more positive and actively trying to be more positive." For probably about four or five years, and I've been able to do it for about two. But you're right, it doesn't feel like work anymore. It doesn't feel like I'm trying to be more positive. I just am more positive. I just see light and positivity and beauty. And this is someone I'm at dinner with. This is really not dinner conversation, but he says, Well, how did you get there and why did you get there? Like what, what journey brought you here? And my response was, well, I really feel like God just changed my outlook on things. I feel like I was at a point where all I was seeing was the negative. Even when I was trying to be positive, all I could see was negative. And so I prayed for a positive view. I prayed that in my struggle... All I asked, all I wanted, all I could see, all I needed was to see other people living in the promise that God has given me. And when I say that, and we're still on the mental health journey in the mental health series. So I want to clarify, because I don't think I have in the sermon to myself what God's promise is for me, and I didn't for a few reasons. First, I was scared, right? I, if I share what I believe God has promised me and what I believe God told, my, told me that my purpose would be, if I share that with others and then it doesn't come true, I look like a liar, right? I look like God didn't actually promise me those things and I made it up. And to be completely honest, that's still a risk, right? I want to believe that I can hear God. And I want to believe that when me and God converse, our conversations are true and our conversations are real and our conversations are serious and our conversations are destined. I want to believe that. I do believe that for me. But I also understand that my belief is my belief and my faith is my faith. And faith, if it was 100% going to happen, it wouldn't be faith. It'd be knowledge. And so it has to be faith. Like it has to be possibly wrong in order for me to have faith that it's right. And that's kind of where my Faith is right now. Just I believe it so strongly that even if it's wrong, you know, like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even even if even if he doesn't save us from this fire, we know that he can, and that's enough for me, right? Even if he doesn't give me everything he promised me, I know that he can, and that's enough for me. So. I continue talking to the person I'm having dinner with and telling them, Hey, I I just prayed about it. I, I I've gone through a lot mentally and my mental health has been shot for a long time. And I literally got to the point where I, I just prayed to God, what am I still living for? What am I what am I doing on earth? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why can't I just continue into death, like, I, and obviously that's a dark prayer. But that's just where I was. Why, why am I still alive? Because I don't feel like I should be. I don't feel worthy of it. I don't feel deserving of life. And even if I do, I feel just what's the point? It's it's not a positive place. I don't have fun. I don't want to be here. Why? And the purpose he gave me was so super clear. He said. There's going to be a point in time, Shelman, where the happiness that you have, the joy that you have, goes so far beyond you and your person that everyone you come in contact with will have no choice but to feel joy and to feel love and to feel peace. That is your purpose. And I said, okay, that's nice, and that's a wonderful purpose, God, but it don't make no money. Spreading joy and peace don't make no money. So am I destined to be broke forever? And this is, this is a real conversation. He said, no. No. So your purpose is that the joy that you carry will be so infectious, will be so big. Your light will be so bright that everyone you come in contact with will have no choice but to feel joy and love and peace. But my promise to you is that when you walk in your purpose, when you have that light, when you spread that light, you will become like the tree next to the stream, bearing fruit in all seasons, Never withering. And I thought to myself, okay. And I can remember it like it's just like, we're talking, this is 2009. I want to say 2019. And so, I, I marinated on that scripture for quite some time. And then I had a friend who I'm actually going to shout out. I had a friend, Deja Boateng, who is now an assistant principal at a school. But she sent me, and at this time we were both teachers, and we both had aspirations to do more and to be better and to be bigger. She actually influenced me to get my principal certification, and then walked me through it, helped me with a lot of the classes, and, and was, a, was a person for me to lean on. But we had just gotten a new principal at our school, And we both wanted to be, wanted to start advancing in our career. We're about the same age. And we had just been talking about, like, we feel like we've accomplished what we can accomplish at this level. How do we keep moving? And so she sent me Planted Not Buried by Pastor Michael Todd at Transformation Church. It's the first sermon I've ever heard from them. And obviously, at this point, you could tell if you listen to this regularly, I I've heard every sermon since then, but the key scripture from that planted not buried. First, the first part of the series, or the first um, sermon in the series, was Psalms one and three, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, this is about two weeks. After I had my prayer with God, where I'm sitting in my room saying, why am I still here? I don't understand what's going on. And he gave me, you will have a joy that is so effervescent. Your light will be so bright that whoever you come in contact with will have no choice but to feel joy, love and peace. That is your purpose. That is why I have you on earth to spread joy. Okay, my response to him was, okay, spreading joy does not produce money. And spreading joy does not pay bills. So, am I, am I here to struggle the rest of my life and just be happy about it? Am I here to spread joy to everyone else but live in, in darkness and sorrow for the rest of my life? And he said, no, because the light is yours. You will be filled with so much joy that it literally oozes out of you and touches the people you come in contact with to the point that they have to fill it off. Okay. So then how do I... He said, but in that, my promise to you is that you will be like a tree bearing fruit in all seasons planted by a stream that never... Withers. And then two weeks later, I actually got the scripture for that because I didn't know a scripture. He, that was what he gave me. He didn't give me Psalms 1 and 3. He gave me the words from Psalms 1 and 3. And because I was in a time where I was pretty much writing everything down, I was journaling and doing that, I had written it down. So, of course, when I heard it in the scripture, when in the sermon series, I knew immediately, okay, this is for me. This is, this is confirmation through Pastor Michael Todd, through Deja Botang, from God, straight to me. This is what I should be doing. So how do I get there? And so that is what I asked God. I asked him, how, how do I get from where I am right now, the darkness I feel right now, to having joy that abounds so beautifully that everyone who touches me has no choice but to feel that same joy. And he said, okay, go back to Psalms 1. Psalms 1 and 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And I said, okay. And then he said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, doth he meditate day and night. And I said, okay, Jesus. So I need to make sure that I'm not hanging around people who are ungodly. I can't take my counsel and advice from people that aren't of God. So I need to find people to mentor me who are already in the Bible and in the word. And they believe in God and they're... following following God's word, okay, then I need to make sure that I'm not putting myself purposefully around people who aren't of God. But when I saw stand in the way, I thought more like, I need to make sure that I'm not trying to stop sinners from sinning. But just, I can't step in, I can't be a part of their group. I can't mold in with them. I can't be a bird of their flock to go back to the last episode. But I have to not just read the Bible, but that's where I'm going to get my joy from. So in order to reach the purpose, in order to reach the calling of having the unlimited amount of joy... I have to get in the Bible because that's where it's going to come from. I have to make part of his word. I have to be a part of his word. It has to become so ingrained in me that that is what comes out of me at all times. And once I've done that, then I will be the person that is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever I do will prosper. And I said, okay, so now I see. If I have the joy and I spread the joy, everything that I do because of the joy that I am producing amongst the people that are around me will work and not just work, but will work and produce. I will be the main tree in a forest that is life giving. And so when I say, Sitting at that dinner table was the first time I recognized okay, this is the beginning of the purpose, this is the beginning of the promise. This is the be- because, as you've heard in the sermon series before this, um, and as you've heard in this little series the conversations between me and God are about the time, the right now, what are we doing in the moment. And so stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We we had that. We 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 talked about the purpose of being in the moment, right? You do what you can and while you're waiting for God's blessings, so into Others, so life, so kindness, so joy, so happiness, you know, live in the promise that He's given me. And then once it's your time, be ready for the blessings to flow, but also make sure you are able to continue giving back to others. And then when it comes to the mental health, sometimes people really do need more than your time and your energy and your your connectedness, sometimes they actually need resources. And sometimes God is not sending you to be a sounding board. He's sending you to be a resource. And so for me, I thought, okay, so a lot of people will react to, during my mental health struggles, my faith is stronger than my doubt. But if you're not there, how do you get from, God, why am I even still on earth? What is my purpose? Why, why are you forcing me to stay here? Because when, you, when you're in that dark space and you want to commit suicide, that's what it feels like. It feels like you're being forced to continue suffering for the sake of others. And so for me, I had to figure I was like, I'm not going to continue suffering for other people. I'm not going to continue the lifelong struggle of just finding happiness and trying to find peace and trying to find joy in the darkest of places just because it would disappoint other people for me not to be on earth or it would make other people sad or it would cause other people trauma. I'm, I have to be worried about me. So what is it that I, why am I here? What can I continue to fight for, for myself in order to push me to be here? And that's when I got my purpose, my calling. And so I thought, okay, now I'm continuously fighting for joy. But I know that once I get it, that will solve the mental. Like you can't have joy so deep and so abounding that everyone it touches has no choice but to feel joy, love, and peace. And be in the darkest places, right? You can can pretend to have happiness. You can't pretend to have joy because joy comes from the, the Lord. Realistically, if you, if you read the Bible, it's, it's what it says. Joy comes from the Lord. No man can give it and no man can take it away. Peace comes from the Lord, a peace that passes all understanding. It means no matter what's going on around me, he is able to provide me peace through any situation. And it may not make sense that I am able to stay calm, but it is what he has promised me. A love for all of the people, seeing love and seeking love in all situations. And so there's been a few m- moments here in the, in the last little while, the last few weeks or last few months, where I've started to recognize my outlook has changed. I don't dislike that person, but I do have to separate. I want what's best for them. But I also can't stand next to them. The people in the room are beautiful. But that doesn't mean I need to be in the room. The outlook that I have has changed. And so I went through and I was like... When do you know... That it's your calling? Like... When am I supposed to know? That's what my prayer has been like. Okay, I feel it. I'm starting to see that joy you were talking about, God, right? Because I'm in a moment of life where the joy should not be abundant, where I should not be peaceful, where I should not have this just calmness about my situation. I'm in that moment of life. But I still feel the joy. I still feel happy. I'm still able to find the positivity in almost every situation. I'm still able to greet life with a smile. And I'd say, okay, this feels right. But God, how do I know for sure? How do I know that this is the, you're going to walk in with so much joy that everyone you touches, the obvious answer would be, are the people around you just as happy as you are? Do the people around you share your joy? Do the people around you have that love? Do the people around you have that peace? And I'm thinking, okay. It seems like the people around me are starting to have that peace and that joy. But is that because I'm changing the people around me? Or is it because the joy I have is becoming infectious and touching them? Or is it a mixture of both? Am I supposed to do both in order to get? Because it because like I said, he said everyone you touch will have no choice but to feel joy, love, peace. Then it says, "Do not stand in the way of sinners." So if you're not standing in their way, you may not be touching them. So there may be a group of people. Who aren't feeling that joy, that love, that peace. But you weren't supposed to be there anyway. That's not part of your calling. I'm still working on it. I'm still talking to God about it because that's the that part is still confusing. What does that mean, do not stand in the way of sinners? Does that mean I don't need to even be near them? Does that mean I don't need to try to stop them from doing what they're doing? Does that mean... I don't need to try to help them change their ways. Or does it mean... Me being in the area... Is enough for them to want to change. I don't have to stand in their way. Standing in their way is putting myself in danger. Because when you get in the way of a group... You can also be carried by the current. So if you go and stand in this river... If you plant your tree in the river, the current of the river may knock the tree over and take you with it. So you have to be planted by the river. See, that's why I do these, because I get my own revelations in, in the talking, just being able to talk it out, talk it through and listen to God. That may not have even been for y'all. That may have been just for me. I may have been so busy trying to plant my tree in the river amongst the people that I was being carried away. Literally getting carried away. So his, his, his word for me, his purpose for me was to be planted by the river, not in it. Not stand in the way of the sinner but be near the center so that the joy that leaps off of me can be felt by them, and they will have no choice but to feel joy, love, and peace. So that's the obvious way. When you look around, do you see that? Do you feel that? Is that what's happening? Man be sometimes. That's why I call it the beginning of the calling and not walking fully in my purpose, but I'm getting there because I can see the change, right? And that brought me to a time when Jesus was questioned. So this is when Jesus is telling all of his disciples, the 12 disciples, to go out and basically spread the word, right? In Matthew. So in Matthew 10, He actually told the disciples what he wanted them to do, how he wanted them to spread the word, and what he wanted them to do. Basically, go into these places, find a place where people are accepting of you. When you feel the peace, save people, heal people, relieve people of stress. If they deny you, don't force it, leave. Right? And then in Matthew 11... It says, after Jesus finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, this is John the Baptist, the person who baptized Jesus. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, that's Jesus. He sent his disciples, John's disciples, because disciples are disciplined ones. They're people who follow. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied to the disciples because the disciples went next. Jesus replied to the disciples, go back and report to John what you hear and see. So he didn't tell the disciples, of course, I'm the one to come. Look at all these miracles I'm doing. Are you not paying attention? Look at me. I'm, I'm doing all of these things. What makes you think I'm not the one to come? Paralyzed man, take up your bed and go. He has already raised the dead twice now. He's all, and and he's of course spread the word of God to people who were considered poor and unworthy. So he's already done these things. He says, so don't, don't tell John what I have to say. Don't tell him I said I am the one to come. Just tell him, report what you see. And then John will be able to understand that no one else could do this but me. No one else could do this but the Messiah, the one who is sent from God to save the world. No one else could do this. So that will answer his question. Not what I tell you, but what you see for yourself. And then as the disciples were leaving, Jesus turned to the crowd and started to talk about John. He says, What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palace. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. So he he says, to answer John's question as y'all are walking away, yes, I am him. I am the messenger. I am the way, the truth, and the light. That is me. I am the Messiah. That is who I am. I am the Messiah. I am different. See all of these phrases that, that come, that the younger generations are using, you know, I am him, I'm different. Those are things that are used to describe Jesus because he was different. He was the capital H him. He, he was saying, John is great. That's why he had to baptize me. But John can't produce the miracles I have produced. And so what does this have to do with me and my outlook? When I look At that first scripture where he says, Matthew 11 and four, go back and report to John what you hear and see. I thought to myself, that's when I'll know when I'm living in purpose. That's when it'll be clear because what I hear and see will have to change. If everyone near me can't has no choice but to feel joy, love and peace, everything I'll ever hear and see will be joy, love and peace. If the calling on my life is to have a joy that is so grand that everyone I come into contact with will have no choice but to feel joy, love, and peace, I will never be around angry people. I'll never be around fearful people. I'll never be around lying people. And it's not that they won't have that in their spirit. It's not that they won't have ever done it before. It's not that they won't have the ability to do it again. It's that in my presence, my joy should supersede because it it comes from the Lord. My joy should supersede any emotion that they feel. My love should supersede any emotion that they feel. My peace should should supersede any emotion that they feel. So what I see and what I hear will be through the lens and my perspective of joy, peace, and love. And so when you've changed your outlook, it's literally your outlook, so your outward look, the things you are looking at outside of your body, when you change that, when you change the people you're around, and who you take counsel from. Like, a lot of us go to social media for advice. But who are our friends on social media? And do we want to get advice from them? That's part one. Do not take counsel from the wicked. And that doesn't mean they're evil or they're trying to do wicked things. But it is what it is. If they are not of God and in God, if they are not studying the word, if they are not following God's lead, why are you taking advice from them? That's step one to finding the joy, to finding the peace. Know who to turn to. And once you do that, do not stand in the way of sinners. So once you stop taking advice from the wicked, you're now taking counsel from people who, who are in God. You're taking counsel from people who are listening to God the same way you're listening to God. You're taking counsel from people who are leaning on the, not, leaning not on their own understanding, but are also reading to show themselves approved and then talking to God and praying about it. Once you do that, then... Don't go make yourself a bird in a flock of sinners. Don't go be a part of their group. Don't go get in their way. Because we can be in the world and not of the world. So you you can be near sinners without being in their way. If they want to move, you shouldn't be able to stop them. Because you shouldn't be in their way. Let them be drawn to you. As a light versus you having to take your light into them and trying to change their darkness. Because when darkness surrounds light, yes, light can overtake darkness, but when darkness encompasses light, the light will burn out. The light can be smothered. So don't don't take that chance by getting in their way. That's step two. Step three is to find your joy, find your peace, find your understanding in the Bible. Delight in the word of God. Delight in the law of the Lord. And then it says not just delight in it, but meditate on it day and night. Think about it. Pray about it. Read your Bible and then ask God for the understanding of what it means. Read your Bible and then talk to God about what you got from it. And then even more than that, read your Bible and talk to that counsel, that new counsel that you have because you're no longer taking counsel from the wicked. Talk to them about what you read, you know, (laughs) meditate on it, really learn it, understand it, make it a part of who you are. And if you do those things. Then you will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in its season and whose life does not, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever you do will prosper. You will be planted like a tree next to a stream that bears fruit in every season and never withers. And everything you do will prosper.